Welcome to JavaScript Lifestyle. My name is Kyle Willard. I am your host. We're doing this one a bit early. We're we're probably about a little under a week early to drop this episode. I'm doing that intentionally. This is one of those episodes, and I'm going to do a bunch of these where it just kind of gets slotted in in between. Um, think of it as a bonus episode if you want. But at the end of the day, this is this is important to me because this is a question that I've gotten a ton of times. I have gotten this question a ton of times. This topic is huge to a lot of people, people who are already in programs, people who are looking for programs, people that want to go from self-taught to actually joining a boot camp. And so we're going to have the conversation. Um, first and foremost, I want to make something absolutely clear. I'm not just going to bash on any organization. We're not going to do that with any of these episodes. That, that's just not what we're going to do. Um, the philosophy that I have and the philosophy that I'm, I'm going to ask my guests to extend is that if we are going over a topic, we need to identify issues and we need to try and provide potential solutions for those issues. And, you know, that's that's farther than I need to go, and I get that, and that's fine, but at the end of the day, I, I feel like that's fair, right? So, you know, unless somebody does something egregious, potentially, you know, will that happen? But that, that certainly isn't where we're at here. This is this podcast and this episode, as long along with every other one, is about learning and growing a community, you know. And this this organization actually does a lot of good work, and there are some good people that are there. But the reality is, there are some things that need to be improved. There are some shortcomings, you know. And if these things are fixed, you know, it will create a powerful and dynamic environment for people to learn software engineering. So I've made it very clear that the next episode we were going to be talking about Lambda. That's what this is, right? So we're going to talk about my history. We're going to talk about my experience. And I'm, I'm going to be very clear. I, I will drop the show notes. But you're basically going to either get exactly the same information that I'm, I'm saying. Or you're going to get something that's slightly differently worded. But generally it's going to be the same. There are no, no sources in this. There's not, you know, supporting evidence. And that is because this comes from me. This is my opinion. This is my perspective. This is my journey and my truth. So that's, that's, that's a big thing to, to pay attention to is that, you know, at the end of the day, I have the right to my opinion. And I'm, I'm going to speak out a little bit. You know, there's, there's some good, there's some bad. We're going to talk about some issues and we're going to see what we can do to give ideas to start to fix that. And if some of them are taken to use, you know, Lambda's more than welcome to do that. That that's great, right? 
I'm, I'm not looking to make money on the back of Lambda. You know, if they want to hire me to do something, cool. We can have that conversation. If they want to take the ideas that are discussed here, cool. Go for it. If any other boot camp wants to do the same thing, they are more than welcome to do so. I also will be saying up front, once this is online, probably the YouTube version, um, I will be sharing it directly at Lambda School and Austin Allred, who's one of the founders, so that they have an opportunity to respond. If that is something that they choose to do, if they choose to respond and have a conversation, you know how to get a hold of me. You know, there's there's numerous ways to do that because I am still a current student, you know, and I, I encourage that kind of discourse. I, I think that having an open and honest conversation, whether it's public or not, would be a viable solution to some of the stuff. So let's talk about my history with Lambda. 2020 was a nightmare for everybody, right? It really destroyed a lot of people in a lot of different ways, you know, whether it was for being stuck at home, not being able to work, whether it was, you know, having to be stuck at home after work and just mental health issues eroding on things, you know, not to mention the perpetual risk of getting COVID and having, you know, health issues from that. It was, it was a rough, rough year. So in, in August of last year, I joined Lambda School's part-time program with the intent to kind of pivot where I was, right? I've been a sales, I've been a sales manager. That, that's been the majority of my professional life has been in sales at this point. And I decided it was time for a change. I joined the web development, the full, full stack web development program. Currently, I am finishing the build for the fourth unit. This is my second attempt at the fourth unit. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm playing with Node, SQL, specifically SQLite, and, or SQLite 3 and Postgres. You know, and I want to make sure that I, I state that I've, I've worked pretty hard to try and promote positive change and attempt to get Lambda to fix some of these issues. And, you know, I've, I've talked to one of the student communication staff. I've talked to a couple people that were TLs, a couple SLs. Um, a couple people in student success. And, you know, I've, I've really, a big piece of this is that I really encouraged some sort of a more live and interactive feedback forum besides just faults. Um, you know, and, and Slack. And the, the thing with Slack that I'll point out is that any organization will tend to censor anybody talking about the organization in a negative way. Lambda's no exception to that. So there, there have been conversations that sparked up. They are shut down extremely fast. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, some of those conversations need to be had. So let's, let's dive in. Unit one, unit one, as I, as I started unit one, I was beyond stoked. I was super excited. I was super fired up. Um, you know, I had, I had been poking at the self-taught thing. I'd been playing with Python and some Java stuff prior to this. And, you know, I, I kind of pivoted away from just general software engineering towards, you know, deciding that I, I, I'm already decent as far as, you know, HTML and CSS building, you know, basic marketing pages and landing pages and stuff like that. So let's just take the next step and evolve that and get more experience and get more skills 
to do that at just a, a more broad and, and more powerful way. Um, and so I did. Um, you know what was pretty awesome? There were a few points that I wanted to pitch my mouse and keyboard across the room, um, but that comes with learning anything that's complex and new. I, I don't think that there there was a whole lot that Lambda did that really made me want to, you know, kind of contributed to that. Um, I think my biggest feedback for Unit 1 was the removal of CSS preprocessors from the curriculum. That was a big one. Um, for those that aren't fully aware, CSS preprocessors, basically what they do is they give you additional features when you're styling your web page. Um, Lambda uses less or used less. I ended up as kind of my way to counteract that learning SAS to make sure that I had at least one preprocessor. Um, you know, and I, I sent an email to Austin about it and, you know, mentioned that as well as a couple other things. And, you know, he he said it was removed to kind of decrease the overall duration of the program, which, okay, cool. But by the same token, this was, this was a miss, right? You know, I, th I think students and employers alike, alike, let me switch my screens here. Um, I think employers and students alike, you know, are going to, are going to be far more understanding if the duration of a program is longer, but it has more substance. I, I think, I think the mindset to try and be the fastest program out there or to be one of them or to just even be in line with the other ones. I think that's one of those where you kind of have to step back and go, okay, we can do these one of two ways. We can be the fast one who just, we just crank out an obscene number of people as rapidly as possible, or we can be the best. And I, I think that this is part of the philosophy that we're, that we're going to see a, a pattern on, right? Um, personally, as a student, I, I feel like my return on investment for what I'm going to end up paying Lambda, which is somewhere between seventeen dollars and $30,000 over the course of two years, unless for some reason, you know, I can't get a job in the industry for five years. Um, I do want to be clear. There are students that are going to game the system um, that are going to either going to find jobs that are intentionally just under the 50000 minimum to start the pay repayment. Um, and there are going to be some that, you know, they go on to do freelance work or something similar and just kind of change their job title because they're working for themselves and do what they can to kind of dodge repayment. And that's, that's gross. Don't do that. I mean, if you're, if you're going to go to a program, you know, give the program what you agreed to give them. It's the same thing with college, man. Like if you rack up college loans, those are still your loans. You know, you, you said you would be responsible for those monies and you know, you need to be responsible for it. Um, so let's talk about unit one changes. After I went through unit one, it changed up in a lot of key ways. The first and biggest one to me was that TLs and SLs were removed. So team leads and section leads. And what they did is they held standups and they held students accountable and they did code review on the assignments and ended up basically just grading assignments. They, they basically just kind of kept the students organized a little bit better and you know they ended they ended up being first point of contact if you had some sort of issue and 
you know, they, they weren't paid a lot, but, you know, they, they were really, really good to have around. You know, the biggest piece of that were the stand-ups for me. Um, well, I'd say the stand-ups and the one-on-ones and the code review. Um, the stand-ups were, you know, a critical component because you would have a TL who's already through the core four units and he's usually either in CS or labs and they would kind of reiterate the content that you'd learned for that lecture. And they'd kind of, you know, go around, go around the zoom and see if anybody had any questions, kind of address those questions. And then, you know, some TLs would actually open leak code and we do some leak code stuff together. Um, and it was just, it was useful because if you had a question, you had a smaller forum in which to ask that question without really the threat of, you know, feeling stupid or, you know, getting somebody to kind of publicly shame you because, Hey, that's a dumb question. Like you didn't have that. Whereas you did see that occasionally in the help channel. Um, because obviously just like a lot of tech schools, you know, Lambda does use Slack and there's a ton of channels you can ask questions in. Um, TLs haven't been replaced at this time. Um, they kept a few people on and renamed their, their job description to a TA or teacher's assistant, but basically it's one per unit. Um, which, okay, fine. You know, that having, having four to six people per cohort whose job it is to basically keep students organized, it's a lot of cash to expend. Even if you are only paying them, you know, roughly 15, 20 bucks an hour, it's a lot of cash. So having to downscale that, that kind of made sense. Um, but I, I think as we continue to go on, you will start to see some of the gaps that really showed up from the loss of TLs and SLs. Um, another huge change, and the one that, to me, actually made a lot of sense, um, but it also came off as a bit mindless at the same time, was that Lambda decided for Unit 1 students, instead of doing a build week, which in part-time is two weeks, um, where you interact with all the units and, and build basically from a marketing page to a front-end app to you know, a more advanced, stateful front-end app to a back-end based in Node. Um, they, they basically scrapped that for the unit ones because what you were doing was predominantly HTML and CSS. Um, and that... On the one end, it made sense because by the time that you got to that build week, you had already done a bunch of stuff in JavaScript and it didn't really make sense to kind of go back in time and reinvent the wheel and do HTML and CSS. However, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, however, by doing that exact thing, it also caused issues that weren't really addressed. And that is that by the time that you get to unit two, you need to have a decent understanding of Git flow. You need to understand how to do, you know, pull upstream branches, how to, you know, do an entire, you need to understand how to interact with a project with Git. You know, you've, you've got your repo. You need to be able to pull it down. You need to be able to change the branch. You need to be able to, you know, push to that branch instead of pushing domain. You need to have a basic understanding of how to resolve merge conflicts that you're getting because it's inevitable with newer developers that you're going to have merge conflicts. Um, 
And yeah, so I mean, that was that was the thing. Our our unit one build, I actually had a lot of fun. Um, the site that I put together was absolutely atrocious. I look back at it and literally just want to bury my head in the sand because it's terrible. Um, but I used that time personally to instead of using C using CSS, I used SAS. So it gave me a two week window to dive into SAS and use SAS instead of CSS. So I got additional learning alongside of that. Um, but instead, they kind of just replaced it with the um, careers curriculum, which was originally spread throughout the entire four courses, four, four units, and you would just kind of do it every other Monday. Um, but yeah, so that was that was that. Unit two is where things got really rough for me personally. Um, you know, if you couldn't tell, I, I like learning ahead and I like learning additional stuff. By that point, I had already, you know, dove into a React and Redux course on Udemy and a couple other places. And I had learned classes and lifecycle methods, but hadn't got to the point where I was doing hooks and, fun and functional components with state. And immediately unit, tur unit 2 turned me off as soon as we hit adding state to components. Because Lambda chose to teach them with hooks and functional components. And the only rationale that I can reasonably assume that they do this for is to have kind of a skill check in Unit 2 to kind of get people who aren't, aren't really able to do the research that's required to, you know, learn how to do this stuff in a little bit better way and understand how it functions. You know, at that point, yeah, I, it, it never made a huge amount of sense to me. And it was my biggest complaint, right? It might be me, but it made more sense to use class components and lifecycle methods. Um, simply because of the fact with React, um, you see what's underneath the, the hood of hooks, right? You've got component will mount. You've got component did mount. You have component will update. You, I mean, you've, you've got all of these lifecycle methods that literally dictate the life cycle and how that component interacts with things that are you know put into it. And to, to kind of scrap that for substantially less <clears throat> code overhead, you know, less boilerplate. While sure, some some of the new startups since hooks came out are, are probably using that style, the vast majority of legacy code is still going to be using classes. They might be working on slowly, you know, iterating towards using functional components, but at the end of the day, class components and lifecycle methods are still very much in use. Um, and I saw a lot of people hit the wall with that. But that wasn't my biggest complaint in Unit 2. Um, somehow the instructor that was assigned to Unit 2 was not properly vetted during the hiring process. Um, I'm not going to use his name because the guy is super, super nice. But at the end of the day, this guy was a nightmare. He was an instructor with just a couple years worth of experience. He was leading class. And while he might have been a great engineer, he was not a good instructor. Um, you know, his, his code, we would go through, you know, a guided lecture where we're supposed to code along with this guy. And we'd go through an hour of hacking away at code 
only for his example to be completely buggy and you know non-functional is a massive massive headache um and most of it tended to be fairly simplistic um i actually you know when i did those guided projects i tended to just kind of convert everything into class components and then kind of revert it back and forth that way i had an understanding of it um and you know it it kind of it kind of told the story of if his code is always buggy and he's doing it incorrectly there's a good chance that what he's teaching us probably isn't exactly what we should be learning. Um, you know, you're not, you're not going to hear the gripe of a bad instructor for the remainder of Lambda. It was just this one individual. But it was important because that was the unit that probably close to half, if not two-thirds of our cohort, either flexed, a.k.a. retook a unit, or fully dropped out of Lambda school. Um, you know, during, during the intro to react lecture, this is one that I will never, ever, ever forget. And I'm not, and I'm not going to try and play like I remember the entire analogy that was being used, but he spent like half an hour with a Wacom tab drawing little chicken nuggies and going through some useless analogy about, you know, how chicken nuggies equate to components in React. And I basically lost it. I'm like, I can't do this. This is so, so bad. And so my response was to, you know, kind of jump through the chain. And I, you know, a number of us had already been reaching out to people for close to a month saying, hey, this, this instructor's having issue. Hey, this instructor's not what we need. We're struggling. It's, you know, the, this instructor is, is really, really bad. Tom audit his, his classes and, and kind of, you know, give us a little bit of hope here. And so I reached out again to an associate instructor um, who is amazing. Like, I, I miss interacting with him on an almost daily basis. Um, and I asked him to sit in a lecture. And I said, hey, you know, this is what we're this is what we're dealing with. He in turn reached out and grabbed one of the lead instructors. He jumped in, and after that lecture, um, that instructor was demoted. So I mean, it, the response that it got, where a lead instructor immediately took action to resolve things once he knew of an issue, that was great. The problem was that this isn't the first time that anybody said anything. And I know of at least five to 10 additional students inside of my cohort who literally were pounding on the door, begging for that help all the way into the start of the unit. That's, that took way, way, way too long. And I think what it comes down to is I think that this is one of those situations that kind of ties into the TLs and SLs where there's a potential expenditure here by making sure that somebody is QAing some of these lectures and ensuring that they're being taught appropriately. And that really didn't happen. You know, after that, the lead instructor taught a class, the assistant instructor took over for a little while. And then there was this weird week where 
a lecture was completely skipped and we had to watch a recorded lecture um, instead of having a guided lecture. There wasn't like a holiday or any real reason behind it. It just looked like a scheduling conflict between the lead instructor and the associate instructor that was supposed to be doing it. Um, and I mean, they, they got everybody up to speed for the most part. I mean, there were some people that were still really struggling, but that unit was really kind of the catalyst that hurt. And I, I will say that the combination of trying to, trying to have somebody teaching hooks, that's probably not qualified to teach in the first place. Um, and a ton of wasted time in lectures for, you know, anecdotal, anecdotal stories and stuff like that. There, there was a lot that lacked in that unit when it came to instruction. And I, I think that the, there was best of intentions. I think that the instructor that was doing it was kind of, you know, tossed into the fire without a lot to put it out. And I think he was honest to God doing the best that he could, and he was struggling with it. You know, it's it's a lot of pressure. Um, no, like I said, super, super, super nice guy. Super nice guy. Um, the majority of my cohort disappeared at that point. We, we started, when I started Lambda, we had roughly 100 to 105 people, including TLs, SLs, instructors, support staff, and students in Zoom calls. Last count in that cohort was, um, and mind you, that cohort's in CS at this point, but when that cohort was in Unit 4 with me, there were, you know, regularly about 28 people at max. And that included a TA, a student support staff, the instructor, and then various students. So I, I said at the onset, what can they do to kind of, you know, make this a little bit, you know, what, what changes can we make to potentially make this more viable? Again, this is my, this is my opinion. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm a professional curriculum developer. I will say that I have some experience doing that with my former job, or I did help develop curriculum and actually still occasionally consult on it. Um, but that, that's where we're at, right? So the changes unit two that I would really push is I would honestly swap a front-end framework for Node. I think that while, yes, it really kind of changes the cadence of the program because you're going from front-end to back-end and then back again uh, because you're going to do HTML, CSS, Git, responsive design, JavaScript, um, and then you would do more advanced JavaScript, and then you would jump into Node. I think it makes sense to bundle all of JavaScript together instead of kind of spreading it out throughout the program like they have. Because Unit 3, you learn about classes. Unit 2, you're doing dom manipulation and um, you know components to kind of understand how they work. Um, you know, putting that all together... I would almost make unit one shorter, add in a unit called unit two that literally just encompasses just JavaScript and go from start to finish. And then I would jump into node so that you would have the entire node portion of the program to get used to JavaScript and specifically asynchronous JavaScript. It also kind of gives you a better understanding of how the API is built, which means that once you actually get to the front end, understanding how it's going to be consumed 
is a much easier process. Um, you know, I, I, I put headers in these show notes. I, I put the header of get up to date. It's not perfectly fair, but I, th- I think there's a huge miss. And this is throughout all the units. I just put it here because it kind of made sense to point it out here. If you swapped node, this is where you would put this, right? Um, Lambda School teaches HTML, CSS, Git, responsive design, which basically is just Flexbox, media queries, um, JavaScript, React, Redux. You're going to learn um, asynchronous Redux with Redux Sunk. You're going to have Axios in there, and that's basically the first three units. I mean, there's there's a little bit more. There's testing with Jest and um, React testing library. There's a, de- a lesson on deploying to Vercel. And then at that point, you move to Node. However, with the removal of these mandated standups, at the same time, you've got a lot more free time. And I think one of the things that Lambda could do to kind of counteract, you know, some of these gaps would be to introduce basically video series along with projects that are optional for those who feel like they're a step ahead of the rest of the class. You know, for example, in between JavaScript and Node or JavaScript and React, introducing TypeScript. Why? Because there's a lot of employers moving to TypeScript because it really does a lot when it comes to code quality and it does a lot when it comes to legibility of code. Um, you know, is, is it required? No, but it would be a really useful skill and it would add value. And realistically, you could have a single employee, maybe two if you count somebody that's you know handling a camera and doing the video editing and stuff. Um, you know, realistically, you can make a three to five part course on TypeScript to put in tandem or in between JavaScript and whatever's after it. And, you know, building a couple of assignments for it is, is pretty simplistic. Basically, you're going to tell somebody, hey, take these assignments we've already done and just convert them to Java, from JavaScript to TypeScript and call it a day. Congratulations. Have a nice day. That's literally about all you have to do. Um, you know, another, another big one was that's how they could re-add CSS preprocessors and you could do that mid unit in unit one and you could add things as you go through, you know, for example, Apollo client, you could add during unit three for the period of time that you're teaching Redux, you know, so you can kind of have, here's the trade-off, you know, maybe, maybe do a video series on Mobex, maybe do a video series on GraphQL, you can choose between them. You have free time. You feel like you're ahead. You can do this stuff because there's a lot of us that are really the, the top of each one of these cohorts. They're hungry, and the reality is, is that they're hungry for the way that they're trying to learn in Lambda. That's why we came in the first place. So giving the option for that and implementing some additional value for a fairly, you know, large ROI over, I mean, when, when you look at it from Lambda's perspective and you focus on money, there's not, there's not a huge of a, a huge amount of expense developing, you know, five to 10 part courses, right? That are, you know, an hour or so each. It's not that bad. Um, but there would be a lot 
of overhead, like there would be a lot of return on that investment because there would be more students that are bragging about the fact that Lambda has this. It's something that Lambda could take to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and really, you know, hype up. So, I mean, I, I think that that's a big one. Um, let's talk about Unit 3. I mentioned kind of what you learn. Redux, Redux Thunk. You get testing and deployment. But generally, this is the unit that everybody was terrified of. This was the one that was just so daunting. Oh my god, everybody flexes Unit 3. Well, I hope I'm not one of the ones that flexes Unit 3. And I, I think I, I bring that up because in part that's that's us students being ridiculous. It's something we don't know. There's not a lot of information given about it. But this is also, you know, a big chance for Lambda as you're doing unit one, unit two, to start saying, hey, you know, this is how things are gonna evolve. This is how things are gonna progress. You're going to go from not having any sort of real interactivity in your in your page to creating your first SPA. And then from there, we're going to teach you how to add stateful components into it. And then so that you have component state. And then from there, we're going to take component level state and we're going to evolve that into application level state with Redux. Um, and this, this was a rough one too. Um, I really, by the point that I got to Unit 3, I was really, really frustrated. And I'm, I'm not really a quiet person. I tend, if I have a frustration, I tend to be pretty vocal about it and say, hey, this is, this is an issue and kind of this is what I think you should do. Um, this is when I started getting in touch with various people trying to, to get Lambda to at least shut up long enough that they could listen. That didn't happen, right? That didn't happen at all. Um, I had one meeting with somebody who was, you know, probably middle level, mid-level manager who deals with communication and was assured, oh yeah, you know, I'll pass this on to people. That's not really the way that it should have been handled. Realistically, with enough of us, of us students saying, hey, we have issues, and Lambda, you know, basically not being transparent in any way, there, there really is right now a rift between the students and Lambda and there's a lot of animosity that isn't going to be repaired without some fairly substantial work on Lambda's part. Um, you know, that was the unit that we learned classes. There was a lot of struggle. Um, you know, I, I basically screamed to the rafters. But this was also when I started seeing, you know, kind of the more people side of the equation starting to get bad. You know, the, the TAs that were involved with that um, actually humiliated a number of, of my cohort, including me. You know, if, if you had a basic issue and it's something that you probably should have known or you were just having an off day and it just wasn't clicking, you, you would get some sort of condescending or sarcastic response. And realistically, there's no recourse. Student success doesn't care. Um, in fact, I personally had an even more abusive and harassing situation from student success. Um, you know, that, I, yeah, that one was bad. I was pissed. I actually am still waiting for, for a contact from his superior. That was, that's, I mean, that's literally the only way, right? Is that you can, 
you can ask these employees to, you know, jump up the chain. But if they decide, nah, we're not going to let you, there's not a lot of transparency to understand who's next up on the rung, who to contact. And I, I did voice that to other people and it just nothing ever evolved from it. So that student success coordinator is still with my old cohort. Um, I would assume that he's still doing the same stuff. And that to me is fairly inappropriate for this setting. Um, but yeah, so, you know, just, just for kicks and giggles, you know, there was some humiliation. There was some sarcasm. There was some condescension. There was some abuse by people that were supposed to be, you know, helping you become more successful. Um, and then you dive into Unit 4. And actually, real quick, before I dive into Unit 4, I really liked the instructor for my Unit 3 co cohort, and he's gone. There was one statement that really, really bugged me. Um, and that was that you weren't supposed to get a hold of him until you had exhausted every other option. And what that meant is you needed to go to Google, you needed to go to Stack Overflow, you needed to ask for help in the help channel, you needed to go to the TLs, SLs, or TAs, and then you could get a hold of him, but you know, it might be a week before he got a hold of you. I sent him one message during that period of time. I never even got a red notice on it. So that that to me is kind of kind of gross, especially with with Austin when he announced some of these changes, saying, you know, that the instructors were going to be more approachable. It kind of you know he Austin can say whatever he wants, but at the end of the day, what he's saying and what's actually happening are two vastly different things. Um, Uniform. Off the bat, you know, if you talk to me outside of this setting, you will find very quickly that I really like backend development. I think it's awesome. I like the logic centric, almost a purist mentality. Um, I fully plan on diving into, you know, using Python to create servers. I fully plan on learning C sharp and doing the same. You know, I, I like being the person who builds the engine to make the, the train scream down the tracks. But by this point there were there, I had a lot of frustration. Um, starting in a four basically was a daily occurrence that I would log on to Lambda and basically just want to pitch my mouse and keyboard. I didn't want to be there. Um, I was really, really frustrated on a lot of things. I had already learned um, Node, Mongoose, and MongoDB. We did not use any of that. We used arguably the most frustrating ORM that you possibly could, which is called Connects. Um, that you know took me forever to figure out because it's so drastically different from Mongoose. Um, please, dear God, change to like Objection or Typeform or something similar. Um, you know, and that and that was it. So one of the things that you do at Lambda School is you have sprint challenges. This is the end for part time. It's the Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Originally, it was your fifth day. Now it's just one of those three days every other week. And it basically is a three-hour test where you get an assignment that you can't have access to until a specific release time. Once it drops, you can get access to it and you can complete the assignment. Um, yeah, I mean, for off the bat... I, I think that that's kind of dumb the way that, you know, oh my God, you only have three hours. Well, this is literally a culmination of everything you've learned, which means there's, you know, specific 
things that might have not been translated fully. So, you know, timing it, eh, not a big fan. But whatever, right? Shovel your way through it, make it work. Um, you know, this was also the period of time, Unit 4 was the period of time where I became eligible to get my COVID vaccination. And so the first sprint challenge, I got a COVID vaccination and I came home and basically grinned and bared the pain. Um, I could barely lift my arm. I actually had a really, really bad reaction to it because some of the medications I'm on. Um, and it was basically a nightmare. So as my second dose appointment came up, which is for, uh, for Pfizer is two weeks, I reached out to my TA and I said, hey, I am getting my second dose of the COVID vaccination. This is what happened the first time. I need to be able to complete this the following week because the first time I was basically down for three full days because it hit me that hard. And I understand there's a lot of people that this isn't a big thing. There's a good chance that he thought that I was, you know, blowing things out of proportion. I wasn't. It was not fun. Um, and, you know, his, his response was basically, do what you can, you know, and then we can talk next week. Well, the protocol for sprint challenges is that there is no retake. There is no, you know, no wiggle room. You either do the assignment or you don't. And with the use of Canvas, they lock access to the assignment. So because I was down for th those three assigned days, because of an appointment that I could not miss because of a virus that they said that they were going to give accommodations for, I got screwed. And this one actually makes me really mad because medical accommodations, honestly, are not optional. If I come to you and tell you that I've got a medical appointment of some kind, because what, what if I was getting surgery, right? What if I was having cataract surgery and I'd be down for a couple of days because of that? right? I literally couldn't see. Oh, well, do what you can. No, this one makes me angry. This one, Landa, really, wow, man. I, I, I will be 100% honest. I almost left Lambda the following Monday. There was no follow-up. There was no, you know, how you doing? There was no, you know, what did you get done? There was no follow-up. There was no you know, attempt for a follow-up, there was nothing. It was literally that sprint just simply didn't exist, which meant that if I missed another sprint, I would have to flex the unit. So I said, screw it. And I submitted the paperwork to flex the unit because at that point I was livid. I made, you know, the, the reason that I've lasted this time, this long in Lambda, to be quite honest, is because of the fact that I promised my wife that I get through Lambda. There's been enough that... There's been, there's been enough issues with Landa between the curriculum, between the bad instruction, between completely altering the program, you know, with the fact that there's little to no transparency, there's no accountability, um, the track team system was a massive failure, the mentor-mentee system was a failure. Um, yeah, no, I... <laughs> I've been ready to leave a couple times and this was definitely one of them, but instead I, I sucked it up. I'm already locked into a full ISA at that point. So I sucked it up and I retook the unit. 
this was a massive, massive issue. This is one that quite literally in Lambda needs to be very clear on. This is one of those that's going to get you shut down. This is going to be one of those where you stop having the ability to operate in certain states. Don't ever do this again to anybody. If, if I can give you one thing from a business perspective, if I did this to one of my employees, I would get crucified. Medical accommodations are not optional, no matter what the organization is. Now, I do need to clarify, there is a ticketing system that I did not use. Um, this was not super, super clear. They don't actually walk you through the handbook. They just kind of say, hey, this is here if you need it. And they don't explain a lot to you. Um, I think that a big issue with Lambda when it comes to using this ticketing system front desk is that it's completely and utterly overwhelmed. And a good example of that is when I took my WebCore interview the first time through Unit 4. I took the WebCore. I waited a week. I didn't have any sort of scoring for it. Now, mind you, this is after I, I had put in my flex paperwork. So, I mean, that was on the horizon and maybe that affected it a little bit. But my WebCore interview was lost. A third-party boot camp um, that operates out of South Africa is the company who does those. And it was lost. And there were a number of us that lost, got lost, and everybody but me basically had theirs found. That would have been an automatic flex, by the way. That, that's one of those categories that this is required to progress, and I would have automatically been flexed. I put in a front, front desk ticket. I reached out to my TA. I reached out to student success. I reached out to another student success because the one I had was garbage. And at the end of the day, it never showed up. Right. So did a unit to build. I did the, I did some of the routing and I did some basic stuff. I didn't get dive super, super deep into it. Um, so I felt like it was more fair to just kind of do the basic stuff and let the unit four that was progressing, get a little bit more practice at some of the more advanced topics, not super hard stuff. It's pretty basic. Um, but that was that, um, came back, did Unifor for the second time. The instructor changed. We went from instructor the first time around who had 40 plus years of experience, who was super, super, super good, who was super passionate to a gentleman that had about five years worth of experience. And the majority of his professional experience was centered around Mongo and Mongoose. Um, that's not really a good sign. He's not bad. There were, there were a couple things that he said along the way that were kind of missteps that didn't really make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those where, again, super, super inexperienced person is the one teaching. I will point out that this was right around the same time that they announced that they were pausing the part-time program for more, for new students. Um, but yeah, so this was also the point in time when they, when Lambda decided to make track teams, which were basically the replacement for the TL standups optional. You could go or you couldn't, you're not going to be on a build team together anymore. So relationship building for that is kind of a waste of time. 
Um, you know, basically it was just kind of a, a, a bitch fest, right? You, you could go, you could whine about issues. You could ask questions about your code, you know, depending on what group you were in, that was either successful or it wasn't. But basically at the end of the day, it was kind of a waste of time. The curriculum that was used was interesting um, and could have been viable, but I, I think that that program was, you know, rolled out far, far earlier than it should have been. And I think there were a lot of missteps implementing it. Um, with that, mentor-mentee was the same thing. They shut it down. And, you know, which was really funny to me because I had had a mentor for about five seconds flat. I think I had three or four meetings with him. And generally it was me saying hi, talking for two seconds and him hopping off because he has something else he wanted to do. It was basically, I think I spent more time being uncomfortable than the actual, you know, duration of the meetings with him in the first place. Um, from there, you know, my, I, I will say that I enjoyed being a mentor um, and I worked really hard to try and help my mentees during the time that I had them. Um, but it made more sense to me just to kind of say, hey, if you have an issue, reach out. We can set some stuff up. We can sit down and we can talk. Um, otherwise, you know, feel free to just dive into stuff. I'm, I'm here if you need me. Here's a list of some resources that might help you throughout the program. Um, because during the phase where we went from Unit 1 to Unit 2, I had built a Discord with a friend of mine. And we had put materials, reference materials, specifically that targeted the entire program. Um, so that even if you didn't have a TL, at least you had some, you had a quick space to go to find some answers just in case, you know, everything went off the rails. Um, basically these programs were farce. There wasn't accountability. They weren't successful. There wasn't any positive that anybody that I'm aware of gained out of it. Um, I had two mentors. I, like I said, I had four with the first one. Second one I've talked to a couple times on Slack but never had to Zoom with. Mentees. Um, <laughs> through three or four mentees. And I want to say that two of them flexed out of the program. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't super positive. And I will be 100% honest. I told every single one of my mentees, dear God, learn on your own. Learn as fast as you can, learn on your own, build projects, focus on learning the materials that Lambda wants to teach and get there before you get to it in Lambda. Because at the end of the day, Lambda's going to scratch the surface and you're still going to have gaps. And that's pretty much all true. Um, no, I mean, and, and that, that kind of comes back to the duration of the program being more important than the depth of the program, right? Uh, but yeah, so they, they scrapped they scrapped track teams, mentors, mentees, and, you know, what replaces it? Nothing. So Lambda went from being required to be on five days a week for at least, you know, an hour or so to being required to be on two days a week, every week, and maybe a third day every other week for sprint challenges. But the sprint challenge, you could do Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, right? And that that really kind of killed it for me. That that was that was a lot of change 
that was a lot of growing pains that we experienced and we had to fight through and we had to deal with the frustrations that came with it. We had to deal with, you know, track teams flaking. I went through three track teams during that duration. Unit and a half, I went through three different track teams, if not four. Like, it it got ridiculous. Um, I want to talk about Code Grade. There has never been anything as annoying and as useless as Code Grade has been through my journey through Lambda. Code Grade is the auto grader that, for the cohorts that I've been in, are required for the sprint challenges. Here's the problem. The tests are written in jest, and predominantly they are aimed at specific things. If your code is not perfect and aligns for those tests, at that point, you fail. <clears throat> you get a nice nasty gram from um, on Slack from one of the bots saying, hey, you failed. The problem is, is that that's all well and good, but if my code is functional, which would actually take a live person doing a code review on, guess what? My code's still functional. And I don't know about anybody else, but I test my code on my end. And I've just got to the point where either it passes or it doesn't. And if it doesn't pass, then we're going to have a conversation about code grade. And we're going to have a conversation about jest. You know, if you can't tell, there is some, there is a level of animosity between me and Lambda. Um, I'm super frustrated with the way that things have gone. You know, there's, I signed an ISA with the intent of doing a program that literally doesn't exist anymore. The program that I am going through is not the program that I started. It is vastly, drastically different. Is the curriculum the same? Sure. But the problem is, is that the curriculum itself is not the entirety of the program. The stuff that I came to Lambda for, such as TLs and SLs, one-on-one -on -one code reviews, the stuff that mattered to me that, you know, were reiterated during Lambda launch, they're all gone. And these things would have given me an outlet to deal with a lot of the issues that I've run into and given me an ally throughout the entire program to have my back that regularly interacted with me, who understood how I personally learn, understand how I operate. And I didn't have that. I lost that in unit two. And, you know, Cool beans, right? Let's talk about cool beans. I, I mentioned the um <laughs> I mentioned the webcore interview. The webcore interview, man, what a trip. It's I, I will say it's really cool talking to people from South Africa. I am a sucker for accents, regardless of where they're from. Um The first time through this, I was ready to pitch my mouse across the room. The guy who did it was not friendly. He was rude. He showed up late and then he lost my webcore interview. Like what, how do you do that? You know, rally back and I do the interview again because the first one's lost. Like I'm not going to sit here and flex a unit twice and get kicked out of the program because some third party lost my webcore interview and Lambda refuses to actually do anything about it. Um, yeah, ironically, same interviewer. Um, my original appointment, he blew me off. Just it never showed up. I waited 10 to 15 minutes. He did never show up. He contacted me a 
contacted me the next day, said, Hey, you know, we need to reschedule. We rescheduled. I did it. Um, I swear to God, if I hear the words cool beans again, I might cry. I heard the words cool beans about a thousand times. Um, yeah, <laughs> just, just my two sets. Dear God, switch up your phrases, man. Switch up your phrases. You're killing me. Um, but yeah, so that was a thing. And I mean, the irony is, is that I want to say the same day that I did it, if not that day, then the following day, um, I had, I finally had a communication from my front desk request that I put in like a month earlier. And they finally found my WebCore interview. The irony is, is that I passed the first time. I passed with a higher score the second time. Um, for those, for those that might be listening to me gripe and think that like I'm a bad student or I just, you know, I struggle all the way through. I really didn't struggle through most of Lambda. Um, to put it in perspective, WebCore interview is 33 is the max score. I got a 31. Um, the first time I got a 28, the second time I got a 31. Um, so yeah, so now, you know, I, I was, I was basically lost, man. Like I, I was struggling. I really was. And I kind of gave up on Lambda. Like I just said, you know what? Screw it. I'll go through, I'll go through the motions and do Lambda, which is kind of where I'm at now. But at the end of the day, like all of my support at Lambda is gone. So you know, I've, I've built a friendship with a number of people. I interact with them on a regular basis. It's a little harder since I'm not in the same cohort with them. Um, but I do interact with them on a, on a pretty regular basis. We do do that thing. Um, but it's, it's really frustrating and it is what it is, right? Now, I do want to note at this point, I'm sitting there looking at my recording. We're at 57 minutes, almost 58 I, I'm gonna warn you. I'm gonna go until I get all the way through this stuff. This is this is gonna be a long one. I apologize. If you want to click it off and come back, I understand. Um, but yeah, you know, to kind of sum up the end of Unit Four as as I <clears throat> personally am finishing it up and about to jump into the computer science or CS portion, you know, they shut down the part time program. There's little to no information about flexing. We don't know if we can flex. If we do flex, what happens? Is there a ghost cohort where we kind of do things at our own pace? Are we just kicked out of the program? Are we going to be required to migrate into a full-time cohort? None of these have been answered to any clarity. Maybe maybe in a one-on-one -on -one setting, but as a general, none of us know what the hell is going on. Um, it's kind of a miss, guys. So let's... Let's talk about, you know, I, I've, I've spent this basically ripping apart four units, including two attempts at unit four. So let's, let's talk about how they write the boat. Okay. Biggest one to me is communicate is community. The biggest thing that I see lacking at Lambda at this point, honestly, from what I, from what channels I'm in Slack and from what I personally see the biggest issues, the biggest of the issues comes down to community. Community was much, much higher when TLs were around because we'd have our standups. We'd regularly interact with the same students, which gave us, you know, 
some time to get to know other people in a more comfortable setting than just basically cold calling somebody and saying, Hey, did you, did you get the assignment last night? Do you have any, you know, how'd you do, you know, you, you actually had a setting where you were required to be there with other students and it kind of was an icebreaker and made it a little easier to network that way. Um, you know, I, I think that I think one of the ways that they could really boost the community is I talked about the additional content videos. And I, I think that, you know, maybe one of the things they do is set up a competition where students, you know, go through and they teach more advanced stuff throughout the units and they teach something that's more advanced outside of the units. You know, they, they talk about what hurdles they hit, how they overcame them, etc. That'd be really cool. You can do a competition, you know, have one winner in each unit, give them a hundred bucks or something, send them some swag, who cares? Have a competi competition, right? You know, hell, send them a digital certificate saying that they won the competition creating content for that unit. Um, I think the number two biggest thing for me, and this this has really been a gripe all the way through, and I, I think that I think that anybody listening can definitely sit down and hear the level of frustration that this causes. Lambda does a poor job keeping students informed. We don't know what the big picture is. Their transparency and communication are failures to me. You know, if, if I gave Lambda a letter grade from A to F, Lambda would probably get a C minus or a D because they do, they do announcements. But generally, that's for holidays, that's for different, you know, events, that's for, you know, different cultural awarenesses, which are great, but I should be able to know as one of the, the final part-time cohorts, what happens if I flex? It's a fairly simplistic question and one that when they announced that they were part pausing the part-time program, they should have stepped up and said, hey, this is what happens with X, Y, and Z cohort, and they didn't do a good job going into detail and making sure we knew what was going on. I don't know whether that was, they didn't know. And, you know, once they finally found out, they had already, you know, announced it so they didn't follow back up. Or they just didn't consider it, right? I, I would hope that the second isn't the deal because that, that just kind of shows you know, some ineptitude. And I, I try to attribute professionalism to folks. Um, but here's the deal, guys. We're, we're paying seventeen to $30,000 per program. You announced when you opened Lambda that you were going to operate in fairly similar manners to universities, just a more focused version of it. You wanted to be on the, on the same par. Well, I hear you. I want you to be on the same par. You know, I, I want Harvard. I don't want University of Phoenix. And I, th I think that Unit 1, for the most part, as, as far as boot camps and from what I understand about other boot camps, you nailed it. But I think Unit 2, you went from Harvard to being less than University of Phoenix. I think that what you ripped out, you screwed up. And I think that that's the general consensus of students that were here during that time. Um, you know, and I, I think that a big piece of this is that I think that you need to stop just sitting around your echo chamber with your leadership teams 
I need you, I think you guys need to shut up. And I think you need to listen to students. I think you like hearing your own voice so much that, and you like having minions just agree with you that you forget about the fact that your decisions and the way that you're running things impacts other people and their potential future. Right. Cause here's, here's the real, right. Let's, let's get down to the brass tacks here. I'm a Lambda student. Once I complete Lambda, right. At that point, I'm going to go and I'm going to put that I went to Lambda school on an application and very quickly based upon the way that I get responses from people, I'm going to know whether that's a good or bad thing to do. If employers see Lambda as a very good option to learn the stuff that they teach, I'm not going to have a problem. However, if people feel like Lambda falls down on the job and doesn't teach things adequately, I'm going to hit a roadblock the size of Massachusetts, right? And that's long-term. As time progresses until I actually have two to five years of experience under my belt, as I navigate my new career, Lambda is going to haunt me. So it is. it behooves me, the student, to try and do what I can from the outside to make Lambda more successful. And that's, and that's my biggest frustration. And that's, you know, I, I said on the onset of this, I'm not bashing Lambda. My success and the success of thousands of other individuals is tied to Lambda's success. We want, as a collective, we want Lambda to be as successful as Harvard and MIT. We want you to expand. We want you to grow. We want you to be the best in the market. We want you to be the go-to boot camp. And we want it for selfish reasons. Our success is aligned with yours. You know, and that's, and that's one of my next points is, is Lambda needs to get humble, right? You hear, you hear Austin Allred talk pretty regularly about his quote, humble beginnings. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into that at all. You know, whatever. Lambda's success is success is tied to the success of his students. Lambda students success can be tied to the school. We don't have to hitch our horse to the, to the post. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't have to tie our success to Lambda. We don't. In fact, I know of a number of people that have stripped Lambda school off of their resume because they did hit roadblocks using it. Instead, what they've done is they've built fantastic portfolio projects, amazing portfolios. They know how to carry themselves. They know how to market themselves. They've learned additional skills outside of Lambda, like GraphQL, TypeScript, Mongoose, MongoDB, Material UI, SAS, LESS, etc. They've taken Lambda, and Lambda was the base, and they've gone far and above. Hell, I, I know a number of them that have, you know, they've dove harder into Python 
and they do back in Python stuff now. Which again, Lambda could do if it wasn't for the duration of the program. But Lambda needs to get humble. They need to take a step back and they really need to meditate on what this means. Right? We don't have to list you on our experience. We choose to. If it's a benefit to us, we're going to. If it's not, we're going to strip it and we're going to say we're self-taught. Or what we'll do is we'll get to the interview acting like we're self-taught and we'll tell them, hey, we started at Lambda, you know, it got me started and then I learned the rest of this stuff on my own. But here's the deal. The more of us that stop claiming that we're from Lambda on LinkedIn and, and job boards, that's less, you know, the, the more of us that stop reporting to Lambda our success, that's degrading your success. Your success stems on the back of us. Our success is ours to own. Now, I think that it's fair to say that most of us would rather just put Lambda down on our resume or our application saying, hey, we went here. Because I think that having the experience from that and saying that we completed that is, is very beneficial. So that's, that's what we'd ideally want to do. But... If Lambda continues to degrade their own image, we're going to have to try something else. And the problem is, unfortunately, that's, that's what some of us feel like. And I think one of the big things, and this is one of my points, is that at one point I heard Austin Allred and I heard Dan Frainer, who used to be one of the lead instructors, both say, hey, we don't hire our students. And I'm, I'm going to come straight at Austin with this one. How do you get on Twitter and beg people to hire your students if you refuse to hire your students. If your students are so good, why aren't you hiring them? Why are you doing this you know, money gimmick if they choose not to hire your, your grad? If, they're, if, if we students are so good, if you teach us so well, and we're so good at what we're doing coming out the gate, why aren't we good enough for Lambda to hire? Why did Lambda scrap the single way to get hired by Lambda? Why did TLs and SLs get scrapped other than cash? And that's the point, right? Guys, students are your lifeblood. And what you're forgetting is that those of us that are either, you know, most of the way through the program or out of the program, even if we're alum, we're still part of that ecosystem. You can scrap us off of Slack. You can basically bury us. But at the end of the day, somebody who's gone to Lambda school and gotten out of it one way or the other, we're part of your history. We're part of your success or we're part of your failure. And if you continue to keep ignoring students the way that you've been, it's going to be an issue. Let's talk about the, poly the positives here. Right, I've I've spent the last hour basically just slashing and burning Lambda in in pretty pretty concise ways. So let's let's talk about the positives of Lambda School. Okay, Lambda Lambda School is still really new. Right, it came out in 2018. They've cranked out a ton of software engineers, data scientists, some UX UI people, some iOS people. Like they they put work in. There's there's their curriculum isn't bad. 
it's it's just not super inclusive. And a lot of that, again, comes down to the time constraints. Uh, I think for the most part, what we're running into, and I, I think that the ball is being hidden on this. I, th I think that this is why transparency over the last little while has been so terrible. But I think what's happening is that they're not churning out enough students fast enough and they're not seeing enough return on the ISAs. I don't think they're getting the funding that they need and I think that they you know, are running into a brick wall. Um, I think that's that's a big reason why they got rid of TLs, and I think that's a big reason why they're getting rid of the part-time programs. Um, no, and that's, I get it. You, you're a private entity. You need to make money. Cool. Got it. Just be honest about it, right? Networking. There are a ton of awesome people at Lambda School. There really are. And that's, that's including staff. That's including students. Um, that's including instructors, right? Like, there's there's some awesome people that you can build relationships with that you can take outside of Lambda, whether that's just, you know, adding them to LinkedIn or maybe that's, you know, doing some projects with them. That's great. You know, those, those contacts that you're building at Lambda school could potentially net you a job. That's great. Cool. Awesome. Um, you know, there, there are people that have been hired by Fang from Lambda school. So as, as you, you know, kind of digest the first hour here, Realize Lambda School has had grads go, you know, to Microsoft, to Google, to, you know, Amazon. Actually, one of the SLs that went through Lambda is at Amazon. Um, no, I, I still try and keep in touch with them. So let's, let's talk about the curriculum. The curriculum overall is actually pretty good. It covers all of the basics and it kind of gives you a really brief glimpse into what's, what else is there. Um, and the way, the way that Lambda does their curriculum, especially with the stretch portion, um, which they unfortunately de-incentivized. De um, yeah, I mean, with the, with the stretch portion, you kind of see what's coming and it basically is building on top of each other. And I think that using stretch to kind of, you know, overlay what's coming next, it's not a bad route to go. It kind of gives you a taste. You can do it. Um, the incentivization for me was when I started, we weren't fully integrated into Canvas and we actually had a grade grade page where you would get a, you know, pass fail, you would get a check, you would get, you know, a pass or a pass plus if you did really well on an assignment. I really liked my pass pluses that I got in unit one. Um, most of us scrapped doing any stretch as soon as unit two rolled around. They're just... Why? Right. Um, and a lot of us were doing a lot of learning outside Lambda. And that's basically what kind of kept a lot of us going at the same time. Um, the next piece is really one of the big core pieces to why I came to Lambda instead of going to App Academy or um, one of the other ones. I looked at Code Dojo, App Academy, and a couple others. Um, and that was Lambda X and that was Labs. You know, all of them have some sort of a career placement, which is what Lambda X is. Um, there were whispers that there were additional learning that you could get at that point. You would get some one-on-one -on -one time with, you know, former or current recruiters to kind of help you, guide you through the, you know, process. You would get hit some HR folks 
cool, careers. I wanted to make sure that was in. You know, I wanted something that was super com complete, and that was a piece of that. But the other one that really was an awesome concept, and I still love this concept. I, I am actually still excited to get to this point. We'll see, uh, we'll see if Lambda boots me for this. Um, but the, the point that I want to hit that I think is going to be really cool is labs, which is after CS. And that is, you know, you're going to help a nonprofit or a not-for-profit, you know, either inside or outside of the U.S. And you're going to build, be a part of a team that builds an application or, you know, refactors an application for real-world applications. I think that's awesome. I think that's something great that I can put on a resume, drop it in a portfolio. I think that's great. Let's go. Full, full throttle on that. Let's go. Um, you know, so let's, let's talk about the next one. And this, you know, I, I pointed really hard at Austin Allred, and I, th I think that it's fair to do so. He's the most public face of Lambda School. And I, I think that this needs to be said. A big part of why a lot of us came is that Austin Allred did a number of different videos where he was super, super passionate about Lambda School and about the changing landscape that is computer science-based education. You know, realistically, you still can go through different job ads and see, hey, you need to have a bachelor's degree and five years of experience. Well, why? What if I can do the job? And that's, that's not on Lambda. That's on other people. That's stupid. Somebody can do the job, hire them, let them do the job. Why do you need to have a bachelor's degree to do something that you can learn outside of it? Um, you know, and, and computer science basically is a, still a very much, you know, college required field, much like, you know, becoming a nurse or, you know, a surgeon or an attorney or something like that. But I mean, realize, realistically, it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. And this is one of those that I really do agree with this mentality. I agree with Austin here that generally, unless it requires you to have some sort of a license, like, you know, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, you know, an attorney, a medical professional, why? Give me one rational reason why going through college makes more sense than me learning the skills through a pseudo trade school to go do that job. Why am I expected to spend $30,000 a year for four to six years or more to get an education that I could have in a much more condensed fashion elsewhere? See, and that, that was a big thing. Lambda, you know, if, if you get on the upper echelon of things, you know, Lambda's upwards of $30,000. However, if I can pay $30,000 to get a gig that is ninety dollars to $100,000 a year, then why do I care? I've paid for the equivalent of one year of college at a cheaper state school. And I have a, you know, close to six-figure job. No, it's not everybody. I mean, there's, there's a lot of software jobs that are as low as, you know, $30,000, $40,000 a year. But the majority of them are well over $50,000. It's just based on experience. And once you get one of those, you know, 50, 60 grand a year jobs for a year or two, all of a sudden now you have the door open for six figures. Let's go. I, I think that, I think that this is something that 
you know, needs to be examined. And I fully agree with Austin on this one. More power to him for saying it. I, I think that he should continue to stand up and scream about it. Now, here's, here's what I'll say to close it, right? In the end, I think Lambda and every other coding boot camp as an idea are an awesome way to learn software engineering. I think that every one of them has their own issues. And part of the frustrations that I've gone through, you know, tends to be, honestly, kind of comes down to the lack of widespread adoption since the concept is, is fairly new. I think, I really do think a lot of the struggles that my cohort and others have gone through at Lambda really does come down to funding. And I think that that ties into the fact that the concept is still relatively new and there's not a hardcore wide adoption of it. I, I think that there's still too many companies and I'm, I'm going to ironically point at one of Lambda's new partners that they're working on a curriculum for, you know, look at Amazon. Amazon still says that you have to have a college degree to be a software engineer yet. They're making a program with Lambda to remove that requirement. Okay, cool. What about the rest of us? How about you just remove it because you know that it's excessive and you don't actually need it. Like let's, let's get down to reality here. Like I can be an amazing, amazing software engineer and you won't even look at my resume. I could literally reinvent the internet and you're not going to look at my resume. That sounds dumb for real. I think it comes down to funding. I, I think that, you know, there's, there's a huge landscape of boot camps. Some are really good. Some are just terrible. I would still, in my opinion, lump Lambda towards the good rather than the terrible. I, I would wager a bet that the full-time program is substantially better than what we've experienced in the part-time program. I can't speak to that since I haven't been there, but I think, I think there's a, uh, a bit of a miss focusing so much on keeping the program short. Don't be the shortest. Don't, don't even worry about how long it takes. Be the best. Crank out the best software engineers you can. And here's the thing. This is, this is the biggest thing, right? I'm saying all of this stuff. There's a lot of negative. There's some positive. I'm, I'm trying to put, you know, positive spins on things. I'm, I'm trying to give Lambda the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying to give ideas to try and, you know, strengthen what's already there. But here's the reality. There's our always tomorrow. And I, I honestly, and I, I said it earlier, I truly honestly hope and pray for the success of Lambda School. I don't have ill wishes for anybody over there. I think there's some people that, you know, need to look in the mirror and be mindful of the way that they treat students. I think that's fair. I think that, you know, there needs to be some better vetting of instructors. And I, I think that there needs to be better communication and transparency with students. I look forward, you know, to tomorrow. You know, this is, I'll, I've got a couple more sections of Lambda and I'm out the door. You know, I, I will say emphatically, and I want to make this very clear, I am nervous pushing this out prior to leaving Lambda School. Lambda School, if they chose to, could kick me out. And I, you know, 
wouldn't be endorsed. And, you know, there's, there's a chance they might try and come after me for my ISA. I think that, I think that that would be a bad idea. You know, I, I don't think that that would be a fair way to do things, but they could. Um, so I am nervous about that. I, I hope and I anticipate that, you know, more reasonably and more realistically that there might be some follow-up from somebody over at Lambda School. And I look forward to that. If you want to, I want to make this 100% clear. If you want to come on the podcast, you want to sit on Zoom, we'll record the audio, we'll record the video. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation one-on-one. You know, if you want to bring a couple people to go over stuff, cool. I am more than happy to do that. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and let you spin everything. I'm not going to have you, you know, just continually try and bulldoze over me. But I'm more than happy to sit down, give you one-on-one feedback, and let's share it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about struggles. Let's talk about what you're changing. Let's talk about the innovations. I think that's great. I can't speak to other boot camps. I don't want to. But part of this podcast, the biggest piece of this podcast is learning software engineering. If one of the options is boot camps, I want to make sure that I give as much information as I can. And I don't think it's fair for me to sit here and have the conversations that I've had without giving Lambda an opportunity to respond. So please, anybody over there, you want to have a conversation you want to get your side of the story on record. You want to, you know, talk about what's coming, what changes, what fixes, you know, any sort of reasoning behind some of the decisions, some of the, you know, follow up on some of the issues I've talked about. I'm more than happy to have you get a hold of me. I'm in Slack. I'm on Twitter. I fully plan on tweeting this directly at Lambda School and Austin because I want to make sure that there's visibility. I want Lamb to have the opportunity to step up and say, hey, this is this is this is our side of the equation. What's up? Now, this is the longest podcast I've done. I am, I'll tell you, it's it's 83 degrees in the room that I'm recording this because I don't have any fans or ACs running. <laughs> and I am dying. So I paid for this one with some blood sweat. Um guys, I look forward to it. And I I I'll I'll finish with this. Don't just take my word for it. If you want to go to Lambda School, Lambda School is still a viable option. You'll have to do the the full-time program until they decide to re-implement the part-time. But unless they've changed the ISA since I started, you get the first unit to try it out. And I'll tell you, in that first unit, you learn a lot. For anybody that is coming with a clean slate, it's not a bad start. If, if you feel like you want a boot camp and Lambda is interesting because of labs, because of CS, because of Lambda X, because you like the name, because you like the logo, they do have a cool logo. Um, hit them up. Hit up admissions. Go. Don't just take my word for it. Right? There are people that have had vastly more positive experiences than I have. Find out for yourself. But just understand, you know, once you're in, if you get to a certain point, you're stuck. You're you're either dropping and paying part of the ISA or you're pulling the paying the entirety of it. So 
I thank everybody for listening. Um, I really do hope I get some follow-up from Landa. I'm super excited if that happens. But regardless, next week... Oof, next week I don't have a topic. I'll have a topic for you in the next few days. I've, I've got half a dozen topics that I'm, I'm bouncing around. Um, this one did come a little early, so I'll probably do it later on in next week instead of earlier on in the week. But we'll be dropping it. I look forward to it. You guys have a great rest of your day, wherever you're at. Enjoy it. <laughs>